Again to the Good Trash Hunter Cast, people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film is Charlie Bartlett. It is a documentary film about former President of the United States, Josiah slash Jed Bartlett, and uh, his uh, son uh, that no one ever knew about. Yeah, I thought you were telling me this was like a legacy sequel, like Creed or something. It, it's, it absolutely it follows Charlie's uh, route to the White House. It does, it does. You know, there's actually a couple of uh, episodes at the end of season two of The West Wing yeah. in which there is a, a young Jed Bartlett at prep school really? who looks uh, not, he does not look at all like Anton Yelnick, but he does have the same sort of uh, dress code going on. I'm just going to go ahead and assume you're going to mess up his name all night, but it's Yelchin. Yelchin? Yelchin. Yelnick? Yeah. Yelknick? Yelkin. Beatnik. Yelchin. Yelkin? Yelchin. Ye- I'm not Russian. Yodel. Yeah. Yodel. All right. Charlie Yodel. Charlie Yodel. Um, <laughs> Charlie Anton Yodel. Uh, Charlie Bartlett is not about that, but we are going to talk about it. Uh, we only have two voices to identify here uh, this week. Uh, R.I.P. So Dalton. we're going to keep it short and sweet and get to the point. Oh, wow. That'll be nice for a change. Um, who are you, sir? I am Arthur Gordon. and Oh, trust me, Dustin. Bringing psychiatric drugs and teenagers together is like opening a lemonade stand in the desert. And my name is Dustin Sells, and some days are better than others. And I am glad <laughs> to be talking uh, to you all about Charlie Bartlett. In case you're tuning into the Good Trash on a Catch for the very first time, howdy. And also, this is what's going to happen. This is not a review show. Oh, no, it's an analysis show. And that means we will be spoiling the film some. But we won't do that until the end of the show. So up until that point, we'll have a synopsis, spoiler-free. We'll have thumbs up thumbs down reviews spoiler free we will have a game which might involve the mildest of spoilers and then we move into our business that is analysis you'll have a business time cue to let you know that that's going on and all spoiler bets are off you have been warned so mr arthur gordon voice of the cinema let's hear a synopsis of charlie bartlett a rich kid becomes the self-appointed psychiatrist to the student body of his new high school Okay, well, yeah, that happens. That's it. Oh, that—that's—that's that's all it is. That's—that's that's all the movie is. Um, a hundred percent. It's uh, it's Doctor Katz goes back to high school. There, there you go. Uh, wow, Sigmund Freud paging Doctor Freud. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So that's enough, I guess, to say about that. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down review, Arthur. What do you think? Do you like Charlie Bartlett? Tell me why or why not. I actually love Charlie Bartlett quite a bit. I uh, I caught this film, I think, on DVD uh, the year it came out. And I would show it to anybody who would sit down long enough to talk to me. Um, all I did was share the gospel of Charlie Bartlett uh, when it came out. And I, I just love it. I, I think it's got a lot of heart and a lot of charm and a lot of wit. Uh, it's very sharply written in, in most parts, especially the humor. Anton Yelchin is incredible. Um, the scene where he is uh, slowly progressing into his uh, Ritalin uh, stage early on after he's prescribed the Ritalin, he kind of slowly That's hilarious. Yeah, he just slowly becomes a little more manic day by day, and you see him just freaking out around the house in the empty pool, playing the piano, 
uh, and it culminates in him stripping nude and run, or stripping down his underwear out in the uh, neighborhood. Um, and it's just great. It's a, it's a great performance. It's a very physical performance in times. Uh, but he's he's all over the place, and he shows so much uh, potential. He shows all of his kind of talent and gifts. Uh, and I really uh, just loved that uh, about it. Um, and I think uh, it, it hit uh, right around the time that uh, Downey got big again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, uh, this comes out in 2000. It gets wide release in 2008. And so, you know, uh, Iron Man hits that May, I think, May or June. Sounds right. And uh, after that, you know, Downey is just a huge star. And so I think this kind of benefited from that quite a bit. I think it's smart to release it on DVD after that. Um, and Downey's really good here. And I feel like it's a very personal role for him um, because he's a guy who had a big reputation uh, before Iron Man about being hard to work with and his kind of substance abuse and alcohol uh, issues uh, up to a certain point. And uh, he was kind of, I don't know about blacklisted, but he was he was on the outs with Hollywood for a long time. And so it was really a, a, a risk to uh, put him in anything. And so I feel like this is probably a really personal uh, performance for him, and he does a great job. Um, I, I really love everybody. Cat Dennings is a lot of fun. Uh, all of the students, uh, the punk bodyguard business partner, I don't know their names. Uh, Lenny, uh, the friend he meets on the bus. Yes, um, Lenny. Everybody's just a blast. And I, I like that a lot. It does feel like the writing kind of falls into like afternoon special stuff, uh, in a few places yes. uh, regarding some of the major plot points. Um, but other than that, I, I, I love Charlie Bartlett. I think it's just a blast. I think it's a lot of fun, a lot of heart, and a lot of humor. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan, and I'm glad we got to see it on the show. All right, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I have to totally agree. I love this movie. Now, this is the first time I have ever seen it when I watched it for this show. And, yeah, it's a revelation. It's great. Um, Anton Chekhov is great. Um, not to be confused. <laughs> yes, the uh... – the uh, the ensign from the uh, Starship Enterprise. Yes, yes. Uh, Chekhov's pill bottle will have to be fired <laughs> by the end of uh, the episode. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just going to mess everything up with this kid's name. Poor guy. Uh, rest poor, in peace. Rest in peace. Oh, I love him. Love me so good. Uh, yes, uh, the girl from the New Girl is great. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is great. Uh, I, I have no complaints whatsoever about any of the cast. I, th- I think it's a, an interesting character. He's not quite what you'd expect. He is in some ways very much that spoiled brat. And in very many ways, he's very, very human. And so I love that. I love the sort of uh, use of powerful questions and deep conversations that he does. And I do love Downey Jr. Uh, man, his performance is fantastic. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would just echo the things that you have said. I think it's well shot. I think it's well thought. And it's just a great movie and a whale of a good time. So I don't think I'm going to say any more about it than that. Just, man, I like it. Oh, good. I do have Dalton's thoughts here, if you want me to share them. I don't. All right, then moving on. Moving right along. Oh, go go ahead. Get, All right, get. so uh, Dalton uh, was unfortunately unable to be with us tonight, but we told him to send in his game picks and his idea thoughts on this movie. Arthur said it. I didn't. I, tried uh, to, I lobbied against Someone it tries hard. to be nice to the kid. Oh, man. Uh, so he said, uh, while Perks addressed teen mental health earlier in the marathon, Charlie does a much better job of showing the importance of seeking help and talking in detail about the things that trouble you. 
Uh, not only but this with uh, with Robert Downey Jr.'s character and his mom, it shows that your problems don't just go away when you're grown and how teens and adults can help each other uh, by offering each other different perspectives on related pain. Uh, Dalton, I know, is a big fan. He really wanted to be here for this. He pushed for it. Uh, and so I, I, I wish he could have been here because I think he would have had a lot of fun talking that one. Sometimes, but he didn't, so suck it. Yeah, sometimes cars don't work. There's a, that, I can attest to that. That is a thing that does occasionally happen. So um, there is that as far as our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We all like the movie very, very much. Now we can have a conversation via social media. Dalton, say those words. <gasps> oh, wait. No. He can't. Hey, Arthur, can you say those words? I can try. Okay, try. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, feel free. You can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash uh, good Trash Media or GTM. We don't really use it that often, uh, but we occasionally share the show. And articles like Dustin Sell's recent review of Spike Lee's joint, Black Klansman, um, which you should go read that after you watch that movie. Uh, I've been meaning to go see the movie, but it's a really good uh, piece on that. So go oh, check that thanks, out. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. Got to plug the website every once in a while and your work because you're good at stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Twitter, Facebook, uh, find us on Instagram, uh, at good trash media. Um, you can always like rate review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcatcher of choice. And then if you feel like giving back, uh, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash GTM. You can throw us some money if you want to don't feel obliged. It just helps us keep the lights on. Uh, kind of. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think I did it record time. You did. Uh, oh, can I tag on? Did you get bored? I did not get bored. You know why? Because wow. you got right through it. Oh, yeah. There's that. Give me that sweet stuff. But um, I'm going to tell you this. I want to make some announcements. Oh. There, there, there are some things happening. That's right. There are some things coming down there, the pike, coming through the pass, if you will. Some some more good trash media. So, uh, we have, uh, we adopted the, uh, the, the, the praise down, those sweet boys over there talking their music, and they do a great job. Um, but Dustin's been cooking up some stuff, keeping it in the family, I, uh, figuratively I, and literally. So go ahead, tell us what you got. I'm so pumped. So we're gonna we're gonna branch into the world of YouTube. We actually do. We have had a good trash Undercast YouTube channel for quite a while now. And so uh, when we've got a couple little things, I think we got Alex singing the Pokemon song, and we've got a, a whole episode just dropped as audio that we tried to. And I forget what episode it is now that we dropped. I don't even remember. It was yeah. a long time it's, ago. It's been a minute. I mean, we are this was episode 279 today. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. I, yeah, math is hard. It, it's not even math. It's counting, and that's still hard. For us, so yeah, not the good trash math cast. Let me tell you right now. But um, so keep it in the family. My son is going into high school. He is now ready to see some movies, and not all the movies. And he's uh, on a voyage of discovery, getting ready to see some movies based on content and also based on attention span, as far as their complexity goes. And so we've got a, a we've got a, a a new vlog. I guess what you call it a video log, video log web series that we're going to do called a bad feeling about this because I have a bad feeling about this stuff that I'm going to have to show my son now and have some awkward the collected works of Lars von Trier. Yes. <laughs> Melancholia is on the list. <laughs> of course it, it it's is. It's a movie that's going to happen. We're probably not going to do the one with the gross. What is the one with the uh, super, super gross? The Charlotte Gainsborough Antichrist. Ah, yeah. Like, you you want to stay away from that one. Oh, man. I, probably, uh, what is the Nymphomaniac? You're going to stick away from that Nymphomaniac's one. Nymphomaniac's not happening. Yeah, and what's Dogville? Dogtooth? Do Dogville, Dogville may happen. Dogtooth's different. Okay. Uh, but Dogville may happen. I like that. Uh, maybe Manderley before that. 
But anyway. I remember Mandalay. Uh, don't you? Uh, everyone does. <laughs> so we're doing that thing. Uh, we've got a handful of episodes already put together. Uh, we opened up with uh, Lindsay Anderson's If. We looked at Predator. So it's both the artsy-fartsy and also the just essential but also, you know, a bit more grown-up. And so I have uh, tried to curate his viewing. He has seen some things and some things he hasn't seen. And we're just talking about that. So that's happening very quickly. A uh, new uh, YouTube series, A Bad Feeling About This. And then I'm doing a little uh, solo podcasting with uh, occasional guests. Uh, the Borgo cast. You may or may not know, dear listener, that I'm really into Dracula. Uh, I used to teach Dracula as half of an entire semester of Comp 1 to sort of focus people's essays. And so the Borgo cast the intersection of all things Dracula. So we won't be just watching Dracula movies or reading the Dracula novel and or we're going to look at all the media. Tomb of Dracula, the comics, some of the uh, precursor novels, Varney the Vampire, for instance, Carmilla, for instance, as well. Also things that go on past that. Stephen King's Salem's Lot, for instance, the movie and the novel. All that stuff is going to be talked about and analyzed uh, regarding uh, things Dracula in the Borgo cast, so stay tuned for that goodness. You're going to have so much good trash content, dear listener, you're not going to know what to do with it. Yes, yeah, so, so much. Head over to goodtrashmedia.com, keep an eye out for all that stuff. When it drops, subscribe, like, comment, share with your friends. Who's not going to love a father and son talking about, I don't know, Guy Madden? Uh, mm. I, I don't know, uh, Brisson? I'm sure. Brasson is Cocteau definitely. will probably Co- show up. Cocteau. Dreiser. Absolutely. But also uh, like. McTiernan. But also like, yeah, McTiernan because Predator. Yeah. Goodfellas <laughs> is on the list. Scorsese. We've we've actually already decided his senior year last movie. What is it? His senior is it Wolf of Wall Street? It's going to be Pulp Fiction. Nice. Not because it's worse than, say, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. which we may watch before that, but because it's just, like, so built up. Yeah. And so we're, like, developing the literacy. And also, you know, it's got a lot of content. I mean, there's yeah. heroin usage and gay rape and, you know, a, yeah. lot, a lot of things there's going on. There's a lot going on in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, there is. But we, we because we've already talked it up, like, that's going to be the last one. Yeah. Which is fun. That's great. I'm so, excited about all that. So that's what's coming down the pike. Uh, find us on social media. Tell us what you think. And uh, we'd love to see those comments and or questions uh, later. But I think enough of this foolishness at this point. It is time to play the game. And we are back, dear listener, and this week's game is Rank the Summer Growing Up Marathon. Oh, that's right. Rank the Growing Up Summer Marathon brought to you by Charlie Bartlett. Charlie Bartlett, it's the last one in our marathon about growing up over summer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Uh, so it's a good yeah, time. We're going to rank these movies. There have been many of them. Um, let's go through the list briefly, if we will. Do you have the list pulled up right now? Well, I've Harvey? got Dalton's picks, which will hit all the movies. Okay, let's go so ahead. You want to do that? Let's just do Dalton's picks, yeah. So this is from... Uh, Worst to last or least rewatchable to most rewatchable, I don't know his factoring. Uh, I can assume it's emotional resonance and stuff he just doesn't care about anymore. Certainly. So at the bottom of his list, at number seven, I believe is how many we did. Holy uh, cow, what a marathon. It is wild. Never never since Always Be Watching Denzel have we done something this intensive. Uh, so number seven, he has Almost Famous and then Dirty Dancing, Whip It, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Charlie Bartlett, Boys in the Hood, 
And, of course, Stand By Me. And Stand By Me is number one. So those are all the movies. The order in which we watch them, in case you are wondering, is Stand By Me, Dirty Dancing, Almost Famous, Boys in the Hood, Perks, Whip It, then Charlie Bartlett, because we focused on decades in our uh, watching uh, so we could look at different decades in which one was growing up. So, Arthur, let's hear your list and give me your rationale. This is tough. I, I like I mean, all of these hard. movies a lot. Yeah. I, I, I sincerely love probably the top four or five of these films, so this is really hard. I think for me, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I'm going to put Almost Famous at the bottom. Um, it's just, it could have been cut. It's too long, uh, and it just hasn't really resonated with me since then, but I, I liked it in the moment. I think from there, I'm going to go with, I might go with Whip It. Um, again, it was fun. There's a lot of stuff that dragged it down for me, but I, I did enjoy the cast. At number five, I'm going to put, ugh, this is where it gets hard. I know, because then you must kill your darlings, right? I know. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go with Perks of Being a Wallflower at number five. Uh, again, it's it's a great movie, but it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's only a couple years old, so we'll have to wait and see how it holds up over time. Um, so I'm going to put that there. Next, though, I'm going to go with Charlie Bartlett. I, I love the film, uh, but I think the top three are just kind of peak coming-of-age films, peak uh, American films. Uh, at number three, I'm going to go with Dirty Dancing. Uh, Dirty Dancing is one that I really dreaded to rewatch of. I, I didn't really care for it the first time I watched it, but rewatching it for this marathon, I found a new appreciation for that film. I, I think Swayze is just a, just a, a icon of American you know, 80s cinema, and He's he's just a blast. He's really great, and Jennifer Grey is fantastic there as well, and I think she's a great character. Uh, and I appreciate what that story does, and I appreciate it more now than the first time I watched it. So Dirty Dancing at 3. Next, I'm going to go with Stand By Me. I mean, it is uh, the, the touchstone for a reason, I think. It is held up for almost 40 years, I guess, now, 30, 35? Something like that, yeah. What, 86? So, I mean, 32, I guess. But nonetheless... Uh, it's it's just a blast. Uh, great cast. River Phoenix, uh, you know, gone too soon, uh, much like Anton Yelchin, and it's, it's it's a great film. And number one, it's Boys in the Hood. Um, mm -hmm. Boys in the Hood really resonated. I think it still has a powerful message. I think it still resonates. I think that uh, the play off of Stand By Me is brilliant, and I think that is just a solid cast. Um, that introduced uh, us to the actor Ice Cube, um, who's really good. And then Larry Fishburne is just a great character in that. Uh, Furious Styles is a great name, uh, but it's performed so well by uh, Fishburne, who is just next level, I think. And uh, there's some really uh, emotionally resonating and arresting and engaging and charged scenes throughout that film. Uh, it just kind of makes it something of a tour de force, I think. And so I think it, it really stands on its own. It stands after, you know, 30 years, roughly 20, you know, almost 30 years. Uh, so that's, I think that's my ranking. I think my top three, I'm going to say Dirty Dancing, Stand By Me, Boys in the Hood. Okay. All right. I like that very, very much. What right. do you got? Man, okay, so I'm struggling. Okay, I'm struggling at the bottom and at the top. Okay. Because, I mean, the ones I dislike, I don't hate. Yeah, that's you the know, thing. I mean, let's be, let's be real, real about it. But honestly, I'm putting Dirty Dancing at the bottom. Really? I mean, I like the movie, but I, I think wow. I've seen it too much. Okay. 
And oversaturation. I'm just like, and I'm just like well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Been to, been to this rodeo. I mean, yes, I love it, and it, I feel weird putting one of the two uh, female coming yeah, of age should. stories at the bottom. But I'm like, Arr. is the next one going to be whip it? Because no. that should make you feel worse. <laughs> no, it's not going to be whip it. And the next one's almost famous. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Almost famous is fine, but it's not terrible. But then I, I have to say, whip it is weaker. Overall, yeah. than the rest of the film, I think so. And so uh, I, that's where, but I rank it higher than Dirty Dancing, although okay. it may be a stronger film, uh, Dirty Dancing than Whip It. Yeah. But for me, the rewatchability factor just isn't there. That's fair. You know, and I, w- I would, I would definitely watch Whip It before I watched um, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Again at this point in my life, um, from that point, then it gets real hard, um, and I. I just don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this and thinking, well, what did I say? What did I want to say? Um, I'm going to go with Stand By Me actually next. Okay. Um, I like Stand By Me a lot, but again, I saw it a bunch when yeah. I was a young fellow. And uh, so it, it's good, and I would watch it again. It's got the Stephen King going on for it, and so that's all good. Next, I would go with Boys in the Hood. Uh, I like it a lot, but then I want to put Perks above it because I really love Perks. And my favorite movie of the whole marathon is indeed Charlie Bartlett. Really? I love this movie. I just wow. think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just stellar and really rewatchable. I am so excited that you like this movie that much. I was really worried you weren't going to like it. Really? Yeah. Why did you think I was going to not like Because you're a contrarian. You don't like movies that we all like. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I guess my list is sort of contrarian <laughs> so far as I liked it better than you did. How about I guess that? that's true. How about them apples? I don't know, Charlie Bartlett. I don't, I don't, well, I, I thought I was Will Hunting just then. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. It's not your fault. It's, oh, don't. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. It's stop, not your fault. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it's not your fault, Will. <laughs> Not your fault. Oh, my gosh. So uh, there you go, dear listener. That's where we think and what we've thought about our gameplay. Let's move right on, though, and let's get down to business. We are back, and we are back so fast because we like to do it fast here at the Good Trash Genre Cast. In and out in under 30 minutes. <laughs> and so and you don't even have to leave the tip. That's right. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, we're bringing some analysis now to Charlie Bartlett. Uh, okay, let's, let's, let's ease our way in. Yeah, okay, go ahead and ease let, it in. Let's, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, does so, that earn us the E tag or not? What's that? Does that earn us the E tag? Or probably. Are we safe? I mean, I think we we have the E tag because Dalton Alta always. So now we have it because okay. we had enough innuendo now. Is that what it is? Is this the MPAA? Uh, the, I, I don't know. Who rates this? Who who, <laughs> who does? Decide? What is this movie rated? Is it rated PG? The podcast rating system is the only one determined by the the creators of the, like of the content. Themselves. Yeah, it's completely up. To, nah, I don't think what I mean. We could determine whether this is explicit or not. I I, I, I don't even know. But uh, I have a question. I didn't actually know. Is the movie rated PG-13? The movie is rated R. Is it rated yeah. R? I think it probably... Mainly because of language, I imagine. Are there F-bombs? I think so. I mean, that's that's sort of the R language sort of yeah. barrier, right? I mean, there's not really... Because there is, there is a sex scene, but it's really tame. It's very, very clean. tame. Um, 
and the drug stuff, but I mean, even the drug stuff's not. I mean, it's not like they're snorting cocaine out of the bathroom stalls. They're doing prescription drugs. I mean, you, but it's a lot of drugs, and I mean, I could see the MPAA being pretty nervous let's see. about that. I bet we can figure it out. I, I bet that you know what? It's late enough in the uh, years of the MPAA that they finally do d- give descriptors as to its rationale. I have to figure out where I can see that, which I find to be quite helpful. That you know, you don't just rate a movie and yeah. say this is a PG thirteen. It's PG thirteen because X, Y, and Z, right? It's rated R because of this, that, and the other. Also, and I think that's for parents is more useful than simply just slapping on the label. Yeah, I think it's handy, and it's always interesting to kind of see why they rated something something that's sometimes the wording's interesting too. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, so according to IMDb, this is rated R for language, drug content, and brief nudity. Uh, there is the scene in the high school when they first sell the drugs, where the two girls oh, run they, out. They in the do hall. run out topless. I forgot yeah. about that till you said so it. So that's that's yeah. I, I forget that's even in there. So I mean, it's really cool. I mean, it's very brief. Yeah, yeah briefest of nudities. Yes, uh, as Lynn Lenny chases them across the hall. Uh, le- okay, so that's that's totally a, of a mice and men reference too, to call him Lenny. It has to be. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, right? it has to be. That's that's all I could think of. Uh, especially the the actors kind of build. Uh, I was I was thinking. I mean, even the pairing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Charlie's smaller and very mindful and very, uh, I guess, manipulative in some ways, or not really. Okay, uh, define for me this. Okay, what? there's there's a thing we use in film criticism and sort of uh, narrative criticism lately. The Mary Sue. Right. Ooh, I am not. I can. Let me uh, let me do this the wiki way. Because okay, well, let me tell you what I think it is. You go and, ahead, and, and I'll then, find the definition. And then you tell me why I'm wrong, because I'm certain that I am. Mary Sue's are, uh, they're, they're, they're Pure Heart is what I always, the next thing I go to. It is the sort of semi-perfect character that's always got the right motivations. Even if they do the wrong things, they're doing the wrong things because they have somehow deep down the right reasons for doing that. And they tend, they tend to be... Morally unassailable. Indeed, Charlie is giving away his Ritalin, but he's doing so because he wants everybody to have a good time. I mean, it, it's like it, it's it doesn't he when he when Robert Downey Jr. calls him a drug dealer, he's not wrong. Yeah, but it doesn't feel right. Correct. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Does, does that make him a Mary? What is a Mary? Sue? So let me read this from Wikipedia because okay. I think you're on the right track. A Mary Sue is an idealized and seemingly perfect fictional character. Often this character is recognized as an author insert or wish fulfillment. They can usually perform better at tasks than should be given possible given the amount of training or experience and usually are able through some means to upstage the main protagonist of the story, such as by saving the hero. Uh, a male can also be referred to as a Marty Stew, Larry Stew, or Gary Stew, but Mary Sue is used more commonly. Okay. Well, he is um, really good at psychology, considering he's 17 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, too. And, again, his motivations seem to be almost pure. Even when he wants to get everybody high, he wants to do so for popularity's sake because he just wants to fit in. I I think, yeah, I mean, I think that is his – I mean, his, his pure motivation is to – he has the dream sequence at the beginning, right, where everybody's chanting, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Uh, he's a narcissistic sociopath, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I I'm not opposed to that at all. But I think the he, movie doesn't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it delves into that because Charlie is. Um, I don't know that I call he is manipulative, but I'd also call him more opportunistic mm-hmm. uh, in that he makes friends with the right people because he knows it will gain him an edge. He befriends Lenny. I, I think there is some Just sweetness to Lenny. Out of the goodness of I his think heart, there is, yeah. but I think he also sees Lenny could be someone that can help him down the road, which Useful. he turns out to be. Yeah. 
um, because of his size. I mean, he's a big kid. Um, and so that comes into play later. Uh, he befriends the, the punk kid because he knows he can get him in, in into certain crowds. I mean, almost everything seems like it's good from a good place, but it also all feels very opportunistic yeah. in the way those relationships are set. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think the film, I mean, the film wants us to feel for the guy mm-hmm. and I think it wants us to paint Downey as the bad guy a little bit. Yeah. Which if you're 20 Downey probably would seem like the bad guy, but as a rational adult, I mean, Downey's, I mean, Downey's got his ghost. He's got his pro his character. I mean, yeah, he's has his ghost. He's got his problems. He's not wrong. No, he's looking out for his kid. Uh, he's, uh, trying to save his job and be the best principal he can be. Um, I think he's looking out for Charlie in some ways, um, but he's he's not doing anything wrong. He recognizes what the kid's doing. He recognizes how he's doing it, um, but he's painted like the bad guy because he has a drinking problem. Yeah. And he's overprotective of his, his kid. His most damning scene for Downey Jr. is the uh, the scene where Charlie, after being confronted on, you know, and we'll get to the narrative bit about him using his uh, access to a psychologist to get prescribed medications and then to turn around and prescribe those medications to other students. Um, but he brings a bag of prescription medication to uh, the principal's daughter, all right, whom he's dating, and it turns out to be Nicorette, right, yeah. to help her quit smoking. Um and, and I, I love that moment because as a parent, it is the most terrifying thing is that you need to be on guard and watching always and that you will indeed ju- – you, you are so terrified about knowing what's going on and then – or suspecting what's going on and letting something bad go past that you're willing to err on the side of being the crackdown yeah. when it's not that big of a deal. But it is like the worst sin and you know it. Yeah. You know you'll never be forgiven for flipping out by assuming the wrong thing, even though you have every reason in the world to assume the wrong thing. A child will never see that it was absolutely reasonable for you to have thought that it was the wrong thing. Until they're a good parent. Until they're a parent, yeah. yeah. So how many of those times do you have, like, a, is it, like, a few a year? Is it, like, a, every other year? I mean, how uh, often do those kind of things happen? I would say a couple a year. I mean, I mean, I guess it would depend on the kid I mean, and the crowds. And the, the... I would say I've had maybe one occasion like that at all with my oldest son. I've had no occasions of that at all with my youngest son. I've had many occasions with my niece. Yeah. And that's because I, well, you know. Yeah. We don't have to get into that. Yeah. I've had more reasons to suspect. You know? Yeah. So. So, okay. I just, I, I mean, that's got to be the hard thing. I mean, that's the... That's those – this is harder for me than it is for you moments, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, and I love that mo- moment because I'm like, okay, it, it, I think the movie does want to damn Downey Jr. for that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he's totally right in doing so. Although the thing that I had the problem with is that I think Charlie had every reason to put hands on the principal. And I thought it was kind of a gutless move to have filed charges. Yeah, but I think that's where – they're taking down his character, right? I yeah. Mean, they're they've they've damned him for his behavior, and now they're going to turn him into this kind of spineless yeah. coward. Yeah. And I I think it's part of his own redemption arc, but it doesn't come across as well, right? Because he has to hit rock bottom so that he can find a bridge back across with Charlie Bartlett, because Charlie ultimately saves him mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Well, it's opportunistic. I mean, Charlie is a problem. 
Yeah. I mean, for sure. If you're administration and uh, you've got a student like Charlie Bartlett in your school, this kid's trouble, and it'd be better if he wasn't there. The fact that he knew he was a known drug, or he, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't have the he doesn't evidence, have evidence, but he he knows enough. Yeah, I mean it, that it, he didn't try it because the the dean or superintendent gave him every opportunity to kick him out. Yeah, it, that I mean it's the thing to do is get rid of this kid. I yeah. mean, you know, if you're administration, uh, yet. Yet it's it's a terrible terrible punk move, yeah. right? It's so uh, I feel I I I I feel for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in in many ways, many many ways. So we've already hit on this. So let's kind of talk about the other side of this. We see Robert Downey Jr. as, as the dad, and the, he ultimately I think becomes a father figure uh, very quickly. But I think that's where he's going to land. Uh, but what do we think about the parents on the other side? What do we oh, think about mom? Charlie's mom? Charlie's mom is such an enabler. And, uh, you know, she makes this confession at the end about treating him like an adult. And I, I, and I want to say, wait, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out. That was okay. It was just, you know, treating a child like an adult is fine. Re- requiring a child to use the words. And, you know, this is the thing I did with my kids. When my son said to me when he was four, me four years old, I don't understand what you're saying. You have to talk like a big boy. I am four years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Good yeah, job. You're I not mean, Cookie like, Monster. You know, we're not, we are not playing that. Yeah. Right? And, and, and maybe that makes me a bad parent. I don't know. I mean, no. let the internet decide. No, don't let the internet decide. <laughs> Too late. I'll be burned down. Um, but she does treat him like an adult. But I really, it seems to me that she farms out the raising of him. That's the problem. Is Is not so much that she deals with him as though uh, he's another adult in her home. He She deals with him as little as possible. Yeah. You know, they, they can do fun things together. They yeah. can play piano and do show tunes. And, and you know, I, I, early in the movie, I really thought she was going to be like hyper involved, but yeah. no, she's sending him away to boarding school. Like, okay, you're gonna do public school, but she's, she's really barely there. Yeah. She's very absent, but she wants to be the best friend, yeah. which I think is a kind of a common problem uh, in, in a certain generation. Mm-hmm. I think there's that idea that you have to be the cool parent. You have to be the yeah. friend. Uh, and I think that you know hurts those relationships at times if it's if it's not handled well. No, and I mean and that that does sort of explain some uh, Charlie's sort of just you know his independence is a good thing, right? You know because he's sort of left to his own devices. He figures out how to handle things. You know, I mean you know is in a savant like manner for yeah. a seventeen year old kid. And again, that's that's sort of the double edged sword of parenting. If you teach a child to be independent, then they expect greater and greater independence and that becomes something of a problem. Right. I I've got very, very self sufficient sons and they're like, I got this dad. I'm like, no, I don't want you to have this yet. And it's a real tension. So yeah, that's that's a thing. I, again, I love this movie. It just it just speaks to me on like I, yeah, all the all levels. levels. All the levels. Like, because I used to be a kid. Yeah. I, you know, I was seventeen once. I, I really for about a year. Okay. Yeah. How long ago was that? Now oh. was that the age of the dinosaurs? You know, I was seventeen twenty years ago. Wow. How's that make you feel? That's awful. I don't know why you had to ask that particular question that particular <laughs> way. You're welcome. I want you to die in a fire. Um, man, you just broke my heart. I know. <sighs> I apologize. Okay, but. So it definitely resonates with this. But one thing that does not resonate with me so much now as much as it terrifies me is the access to prescription drugs. Like drugs were present in the high school. And I mean we we both grew up in rural high schools. And I'm sure in a more urban or suburban environment it would be a bit more prevalent even at the times in which you and I were in high school. But that being said, it was was always illicit drugs. 
right? Yeah, marijuana, uh, marijuana, speed, uh, meth, yeah. you know, uh, and 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 so on. I mean, cocaine was not unknown. Uh, no. Obviously, uh, anabolic steroids were not unknown either. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, drug usage was the the clear schedule to you know real deal you know uh, prohibited narcotic kind of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm not used to the idea that people were getting Xanax and getting high. It's odd. I'm not used to the idea of people using Ritalin, you yeah. know, and that kind of thing. And that's yeah. that's a strange thing to me. And that isn't a, a new breed of usage, I think, for the most part. I don't think it was ever super popular. Is it a very, is it, I mean, is it more of an upper class thing? I mean, it, it could be. You know, I wonder if at we, least initial initially. I mean, if we want to get well, this is not a local podcast. However, you know, I was I would assume that there's quite a bit more prescription drug use in say Edmond Public Schools than there are in more public schools. Yeah. I think so. You I know. mean, if I were to go on a limb, yeah, I've heard rumor. Yeah, that, yeah. that seems like that would be a thing. And then uh, these two communities in our in, in our neighborhood, dear listener, uh, Edmond being the much more bourgeoisie yeah. and uh, more being a bit more of a middle class uh, bedroom community. Yeah. But I mean, these types of drugs, I mean, uh, a they don't come cheap. Correct. So getting access to them isn't quite as easy as, say, buying a dime bag uh, from Johnny Trenchcoat on the corner or whatever. Johnny Trenchcoat. <laughs> you know Johnny Trenchcoat. <laughs> Johnny, Tren- Johnny Trenchcoat has a different implication in my mind. <laughs> hey, little kids. Want some candy? <laughs> oh... Okay, Trent Burnout, I guess, is selling dime bags on the corner. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so these these types of prescription drugs they're not as easy to come by for middle class families or lower class families, and I'm sure there is access to that, but I feel like that access has to come through a more financially stable uh, channel. Mm, which brings situation. up a real problem I've got with this movie. What is it? I like this movie a lot, but it's got the Mitt Romney problem. Tell us, tell us about the Mitt Romney problem. So during the Romney I'm campaign, Batman. I'm Batman. Um, there was uh, there was uh, some statements that were being made um, by um, pro Romney um, people. Did you know that the pro Romney women, the women that are sort of in love with Romney, were called mittens? <laughs> Isn't that funny? A little bit. I just I, I, I find that delicious. Anyway, uh, it, mittens. But one of the things that was said about <laughs> Romney is that Romney was Batman, that he was like Bruce Wayne, this wealthy billionaire who was going to come in and save the country. Yeah. And and, and this idea that you, what you need in order to save these lower classes, because this public school is framed as lower middle class, and as such – that what we need is a Mitt Romney esque, you know, aristocratic esque person to come down to to condescend to the level of these people and use his wealth, his means, and his resources in order to elevate their lives. And I find that to be really classist. I mean, extraordinarily classist. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, that is my biggest critique of the movie is that the way that we need a hero is we need a rich guy to show up and do the things rather than us, you know, here at the bottom put, pulling ourselves up and, uh, you know, taking back the power that should be ours in the first place. Yeah, the class struggle here is is really weird. I I, I don't know. I mean, the the Charlie's whole situation, I think, is odd. Um, so it, it it is very interesting to me how that all plays out. I was going to say something earlier, but I forgot. Yeah, well, it completely I, slipped my mind. I do think the class thing is used well, though, insofar as we are pointing out that Charlie has access to mental health care. He yes, yeah. he has. He has like super abundant. He has like over access to mental health care because he can go to however many psychologists 
yeah, and they're not going to run out of cash to do that. And uh, as such, um, he has access that the rest of the students don't, and he uses his access to be helpful. So yeah. he sets up his own little, you know, uh, Lucy from uh, the Peanuts <laughs> cartoons, you know, the psychologist yeah. is in, and uh, sits down and listens to people and their problems. And by reading these little psychology books, this is where he marries Sue's abilities, right? Yeah. He's able to figure, oh, this is what you need, and gets a prescription to the proper medication, yeah. and then prescribes cells. I guess at a cut rate, but I assume. But prescribes that medication uh, in order to help those kids. I don't know if it is a cut rate because he marks up those Ritalin pills early because they get ten dollars a pill. Oh, it's do like they? Not, because they get like nine hundred dollars off the bottle of pills. Oh wow! So I mean, it might be. Yeah, that might be. Well, that was to get high. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. Mm. Charlie, you're not looking as good as I thought no, you were. Mm. Charlie's not a good guy. No, he's really not. He's got problems. Yeah. It's uh it's really good that uh there's a scene when they're uh it's about halfway through when his character's about to make a turn. Uh he decides to give up selling drugs. Um and it's probably for the best that the the classes didn't turn on him and that they still remained his friend. Yeah. Because I feel like connotations could have went the other way. The idea of the rich introducing drugs into a lower class to uh, unite them and make them dependent on a, a substance. Right. Yeah. And again, I think it, it, there's a transition from that initial Ritland party that happens at this sort of a high school dance moment to him wanting to distribute these um, drugs, uh, prescription drugs uh, responsibly. Yeah. I mean, in, insofar as prescribing medication without a medical degree is responsible. Yes. So let's let's give that caveat. But I think he does want to be responsible. He wants to be helpful. And he, I think he finds he has a real gift. And this is what I do love about this movie is that these conversations, the, even though they're happening in this sort of formalized, you know, the, the, the counselors, it, it feels very confessional booth, by the way. Yeah. The way they use the different stalls. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned yeah. is what I kind of think a lot of times. But the questions he asks are, well, what do you, how do you feel about that? You know, what yeah. is, how does that make you feel? You know, th- those, those sort of powerful questions. The last question he asked at the end when he's trying to apply for this internship. And the guy's like, I've got a really long day ahead of me right now, so let's go ahead and go with this interview. And he goes, well, would you like to talk about that? Yeah. You know, there, there, there's something really powerful about what he's doing on the amateur level that I think is applicable. I don't think people should be prescribing or sharing their medications without the uh, care yeah. of a physician. But I do think some of the techniques of what's called the psychological or the psychoanalytical method would be helpful if more often when people said stuff, we would say, well, how does that make you feel? Or would you like to talk about yeah. that? I mean, I think that would be a better way to live our lives. Yeah. Yeah, but most of the time when we come up, just with this fast-paced world we live in, it's, hey, how you doing? Great. See you later. Like, there's no time to meditate or be reflective in those moments. So I think that kind of culture is 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 great. And, and I appreciate that about this film because he is asking those kind of just simple yet powerful questions. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be any judgment because we see this. There's no anonymity with the people who's who are seeing him, right? right. I mean, there's just a line out the door of people who want to talk to Charlie. And everybody knows what people are going in there for. They know there was some issue. Uh, we've got the the business partner there who's listening to all these conversations. There's no judgment. There's no issue. You know, he's got a confidentiality rule or something in place with him, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny. But, yeah, I, I think a culture where this sort of open line of communication and dialogue is available uh, goes a lot further. 
uh, in, in helping people and helping uh, work through issues or, or make people aware of issues and just so that there's a healthy atmosphere for that stuff to be uh, monitored and discussed and worked through. Absolutely. And I think it's something really needful uh, to be able to have someone that you can talk to and say all the things and to have this sort of absolute understanding of confidentiality. I've got a good friend who's a priest, and uh, occasionally he's my confessor. Yeah. Uh, and so I talk with uh, things about him. Uh, and one of the things he told me you know, that's interesting about the priesthood, and I love it, is that, in fact, not only can the priest not repeat anything that you say, he cannot even act like he knows what you said to him to you. Really? Unless you give permission for him to talk to you about it afterward, he doesn't even get to act like he knows it. Really? Yeah, it's like it is gone. It is wow. in the vault. That's cool. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, it would be good to have that kind of thing. Just say, hey, we're, in, we're in the cone of silence. Yeah. And uh, just if, if people as friends could have some sort of catch word, some sort of, you know, again, just yeah. sort of safe word that they yeah. would use and say, this is this is going in the cone of silence. And that everyone understands this is this is being said because you need to say it out loud. Yeah. And I think it would be good. I think so. You know, super useful. But, you know, Charlie does this stuff, and I think that's really powerful, and I think that's really, really helpful. And again, and he's using, again, his class and his access for the – but it does illustrate the real problem. of There's there's very, very limited access to mental health. Yeah. And that's not good, you know. It's, and, yeah. I mean, it's still an issue we deal with as a society. It's still not readily available. I mean, you might have a nice benefits package that allots for some, you know uh, – less uh, reduced cost or, you know, maybe limited free uh, therapy sessions or something, but it's a very expensive thing to be involved in. Well, and I think this movie demonstrates the class that gets most squeezed. Like, we have the upper classes, yeah. right, who have, you know, the money and therefore the access. And it, the lowest lower classes have access through Medicaid, Medicare, right? And so those things are available there. But it is those middle classes that get squeezed that they, they have yeah. to either pay the higher insurance premiums if they can afford them. And then if you want to add that mental health rider, that's even additional cost. Yep. And it makes it really, really difficult to do that, not to mention the stigma that is sometimes applied to getting someone yeah. into therapy. And that's when people get lost, ignored. And that's when we come to the kid whose name we don't know, right? Yes. What is his name? It's... I watched this movie a week and a half ago. So that's I feel like it's Ken or Kim. Something. Ken? Oh, man. See, we, we, we actually forgot his name. This is even worse. But he's got real serious depression issues. He yeah. makes a suicide attempt. Kip. And Kip. Yeah. Kip. Kip. And so poor Kip just, you know, again, gets just, just, gets just brushed under the rug, you know. And uh, it, it becomes a very, very difficult thing. And that's a real problem. And... There are real – I mean, of course, there are people who are dealing with, you know, uh, body issues. Um, yeah. There are people who are dealing with just sort of the standard popularity issues. There are people who are dealing with the questions of I want to be who I want to be, but my parents want me to be something else, right? I mean, we see a football kid that's having a very similar thing to the story that we saw in Whip It, yeah. right? Those things occur all the time, and, and we do need those kinds of care. But there's some serious mental health issues um, working, especially in terms of, like, clinical levels of depression. And uh, that kid just gets lost in it, and it, it, it's so tragic because it's just it's just so true, right? Yeah. And so, anyway, I was I was deeply moved by Kip and his story, though I yeah. was also remembering more the joke that we could remember his name than his name. Made a point, I guess. I guess so. I'm a bad. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very bad person. You're a bad friend. I know. I know. 
But uh, anyway, um, those are the main things I want to talk about. Is there anything else burning in your mind regarding this film? I can't think of anything. I mean, I, I feel like everything is kind of thematic. I don't know, you know, stylistically or anything like that, that this film is really doing anything different or new. Um, I mean, kind of a lot of the standard techniques of filmmaking. I, I never, you know, Dalton mentioned in our group chat that this is a, a film that's probably written better than it's directed. That's probably true. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think that holds up. I think the script is really strong. Um, and, I mean, it's it's competently made. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have any issues with editing or, the you know, the way it's put together or paced. I think it works. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've hit everything. All I'm right. good with it. Well, let's render a verdict then. Okay. So it's shelf for trash. Yes, that's the rule. Else or instead. Got Oh, man, I forgot that part. Okay. So I got this. I'm going to go to you this. first, Arthur. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Oh, man. Yeah. Dang it, Dalton. You're one of one choices. <laughs> yes. Uh, let me see. I'm going to shelf it. I, I love Charlie Barton a lot. I, I think it's a great film. So go out, watch it. Um, if I'm ever with you for more than two hours, I'll back make you watch it. Um, because I, I think it's just a it's a blast. Uh, so definitely check it out. I think with it, um, I'm going to say you watch Thoroughbreds. Uh, oh, I was going to get to that this week. I yeah. did not have time. Uh, one of the last films that Anton Yeltsin uh, filmed was just released this year in 2018. And it's just fascinating. Very, very dark. Very dark humor. It's kind of got, it was billed as... Uh, Heathers meets American Psycho, and I think for the most part that holds up. I think it's a pretty apt uh, parallel. So you got to see Thoroughbreds. I'd also say to check out, um, say, Back to the Future. Uh, there are a few moments here where uh, Yeltsin reminds me a lot of of Michael J. Fox, and especially the way his cadence and the way he speaks. Um, but there's also a reference to 88 miles per hour, uh, which is really fun. Uh, so check that out and anything else, uh, green room, go, go get yes. you some more Yelchin, watch yeah, you some green room. You stole mine. I, I know. Like, I was, I was a, Sorry. That was, that was one I was hanging on to. Well, go ahead and take the rest. Well, what are you going to say? Shelf well, trash? I'm saying shelf. Okay. And I'm saying green room. Okay. And I'm saying Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I got him play Chekhov. You know, yeah. that, that's like his big breakout as far as like yeah. fame, fame, fame role. And, yeah. uh, he's a great actor. He's and great. We lost him too soon. And uh, and you know I I just I really really enjoy this film a lot. Um, and you know what? Watch Iron Man. Yeah. Because Downey. Yeah. You I, need that, you need that. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Downey's so so good. Mm -hmm. He's very good. He's he's already doing the Tony Stark thing here. Like he's got that that attitude and that that kind of snarkiness and smarm to him. So he's good. So I wonder how much of that's just Downey being Downey, and how much of that is Tony Stark. Okay, now we have one uh, one last question I Whoa. do want to do analytically, okay. which is, does this film meet the criteria for the coming-of-age film? You know, I thought about that a lot. Yeah. And I don't know if it checks the boxes for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me why. Tell me your boxes again so the dear listener knows as well. So there's a, a, a journey. I mean, I think it kind of lines up with yours. There's the journey. There's the challenge of ideology and then things like that. I just don't know if Charlie grows up. I don't know where this character goes he he acts like he does but i don't know if he's reformed or if he's just looking for the next way to gain a foothold just because he's not pushing drugs doesn't mean he's possibly changed or grown up uh so i don't know i i just don't know that the journey's fully there i think it's a great high school movie i think it's a lot of fun I don't know if it gets the boxes for me all the way. 
I think for me, the growing up growing up moment is not when he is, you know, using his psychological skills when he's applying for the internship. It's in that last scene with Robert Downey Jr., where he just says, "I'm just a kid." Like his his, his like moment he acknowledges of, his moment of admission. Like I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to fix everything. I don't actually know everything. You have to move backwards to go forwards. Type yeah, of ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's as as one uh, who is a parent of teenagers and was a former teenager himself. You um, keep saying it, but I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, I was a, I was a teenager for just a little bit. Um, Roughly it, five years. <laughs> Is that accurate? I, I, well, you know, I mean, our kind, we age slowly. Um, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, You're like a reverse Jack. There, There is this moment where you have to realize you don't know everything. Yeah. You don't know. As, and, and seeing that happen with my boys, you know, already being sort of know-it-alls. And uh, that's... You know, a, a thing I had to go through, still am at times going through. You know, there's a way in which Robert Downey Jr. is also something of a know-it-all that has to sort of reckon yeah. with his own lack of knowing what to do. And and I think that is sort of Charlie's slaying of his demon is also dealing with his absence of his father, mm-hmm. right? Who is in uh is in the penitentiary for tax fraud. So we've got that. But I think really it is just. And I don't have this together. I cannot yeah. act like I've got all the answers. And so slaying the demon or slaying the monster for him is recognizing that he needs help too. He yeah. needs people as well. And um, that's good. You know. Yeah. So for me, I think it does check the boxes. Okay. So uh, there you go, dear listener. I think I have shelved every movie in this marathon. Did you do Almost Famous? Ooh, I may not have shelved Almost Famous. I think you did most of them, though. Uh, yeah, that's a stronger run than you've probably ever had in the show in yeah, a long time. In a long time. Yeah. yeah, I've liked a lot. So we found the genre that really just the American genre that just really apparently I like, this and horror. I like growing up. Yeah, I like horror too a lot. We should have done like a coming of age horror film. <gasps> Green Room. Byzantine. Oh, Byzantine is so good. Uh, but anyway, so that's the end of the marathon. So I'm done, right? Well, we all grew up. We all so grew up, and uh, I guess we can call it a day. We can call it a day. Stay tuned for the 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 Bargo Bar- Borgo Pass, the Borgo Cast, the Borgo Cast, and, and uh, we've got a bad feeling about this. We've got a bad feeling. I've got a bad, yeah, or just a bad, a bad fe- feeling, a bad feeling, a singular bad feeling about this, or just, an, just a bad just a, feeling about this, a bad feeling about this with Dustin Cells and Spawn and Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Are we going to do one more show? Okay. I'll do you do, feel like it? I'll do one more. Do you have it in you? Do you have I, the energy? I, 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 Mr. I'm going to go off and do four spinoffs. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do one more show. What are we going to do? I don't know. I, I don't think I fully prepared. What about this? I asked the guys in the group chat if we could watch a movie that just went on HBO because I've been dying to see it. It's regarded as one of the worst films of 2017. Okay. And I think it's going to be the perfect fodder for us. Uh, so I'm super pumped when we watch Michael Fassbender in The Snowman. Oh, my gosh. The Snowman. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, okay. I'm in. It's totally us. It's totally us. All right. So there you go, dear listeners. We're going to look at The Snowman next time. Uh, we hope you uh, tune into that. See Charlie Bartlett and have a conversation with us on those magical means of social media all already mentioned at the top of the show because that's what we love to do. It's all about having the conversation. Movies are so much more than just that 90 minutes and that bucket O oh, popcorn. So you keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time.
Thank you for turning in to the Good Trash Genrecast, a product of Good Trash Media. For more Good Trash content, head over to GoodTrashMedia.com and get ready to check out all of our new shows coming down the pike. Uh, this week's intro is by friend of the show, Aaron Rogers. And our outro this week is, if you want to sing out, sing out. Written by Cat Stevens, performed by Anton Yelchin, Cat Dennings, Hope Davis, and Allie D. If you want to say no, say no.